Mm. I really don't. I, I think if, if they did uh, start to taper, say a quarter point, half point, you know, even just small, small amounts, um, the market would probably sell off fairly significantly. On this episode of Early Bird, Tony Wilson, a professional stock trader for 31 years and a former runner on an exchange floor. Tony stops by to share his insights on the impact of the Federal Reserve on stocks. Plus, Tony talks about alternative investments and why he only has 10 stocks in his portfolio. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Tony, thank you so much for joining us on the Early Bird podcast today. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Um, so I tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You know, 31 years as a professional stock trader, you used to be a runner uh, on the exchange floor. I guess kind of give the audience a good 30-second overview about, you know, what you've been up to uh, with uh, investments. Okay, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay, um, just... Um, you know, I uh, started off, like I said, on the floor of the, the Pacific Stock Exchange. It's Unfortunately, it's no longer there anymore, but um, um, I uh, got interested. I had saw this movie back in the 80s called Wall Street with mm. Michael Douglas in it, and I said, oh, that looks interesting. So um, I uh, was looking for something to do out of college, so I said, hey, I think I'm going to get uh, – I'm going to get uh, inter- involved with this stock trading thing, you know. So went out and applied uh, with this company, and uh, they got me licensed. And uh, sure enough, uh, the same week that I got licensed, we went on a uh, field trip down to the stock exchange. Saw a pretty girl that was there as a receptionist. And I started talking to her because I wanted a date. She had me fill out an application so I wouldn't, so she wouldn't get in trouble for talking to me. And lo and behold, they actually called me and offered me a job the next day. <laughs> so, you know, go figure. And, uh, you know, from there I got on uh, with a couple of the uh, posts there and uh, uh, got offered an opportunity at Schwab. And I, so I left the post and uh, went to uh, Scottsdale and uh, worked for Schwab in the Schwab 500 department. With their most active traders, they figured me coming off the floor, I would know how to work with those traders, which, you know, there's a lot of, you know, finessing you have to do with egos, with people with large amounts of money moving it around. So uh, I did I did okay. I did pretty well, actually, there. And uh, then went on to a couple of boutiques and uh, 
and uh, just decided, you know what, I don't think these people have anyone's best interests at heart. And I think I could just stay at home and do it. So, you know, stayed at home and just one thing led to another. And I just kind of built some momentum. And next thing you know, here we are, thousand twenty one, still plugging. <laughs> still going at it. And Wall Street, great movie. Um, My favorite. <laughs> Um, so in all of those years of you being active in this investment world, what, what I guess comes to mind as something that has really changed or evolved since then? Um, the technology, hmm. you know, I was telling a lot of people, you know, in my clubhouse room, I guess where you found me at, um, you know, in the old days we had the little two line green machine, the Quotron machine, and they had two lines of data. You know, and now, you know, the kids are trading on phones in their back pocket. So, yeah, <laughs> that's been the biggest, that's been the, uh, the biggest, uh, you know, change, you know, in this whole uh, process, you know. And that's good because it's allowed a lot of retail investors to come in. And uh, I think that's a good thing for them to get that exposure. Absolutely. It's a, a double edged sword, actually. <laughs> It has certainly enabled a new generation of investors to enter the market. Um, but I guess one of those other big trends certainly has to be the impact of the Federal Reserve, especially as it comes to uh, some of the programs we've seen in recent years um, and its impact on the stock market and investments. What What is your take on that, Tony? Well, you know, the Fed has, you know, since since the crash in 2008, you know, the Fed has really come in, you know, um, uh, when Ben Bernanke said that they were going to do this, you know, this thing called quantitative easing. And um, it was just going to be for a little while, just till they got, you know, things back on track. And then they remove it because, you know, previously it was illegal, you know, to uh, do any uh, type of uh, uh, priming of the pump, as they say you know, printing money and adding it into uh, into the market to try and stabilize, uh, you know, different markets. So, uh, but it was just going to be temporary, you know, and uh, here we are, 2021, <laughs> <laughs> still going strong, you know, mm -hmm. uh, $125 billion a month, $6.5 billion a day. They're pumping into the market, trying to you know, keep those balls floating in the air. You know, they don't want the party to come to an end. Mm. So, and it's been a big boondoggle for a lot of rich people. I know uh, I had a lot of friends uh, back in New York that were, you know, back in 2009, they were trying to sell their houses, cars, anything they could do to just load up on cash because they had the inside scoop that the Fed was going to come in and prop this market up and uh, they were going to support the market. And uh, and I, and they made out like bandits. I mean, they just made a a, a lot of money, you know, a lot of money. And so, what impact do you think, in terms of the average retail investor, has um, this sort of printing of the money from the Fed had um, in, since two thousand nine, as you put it? Well, it's been it's been terrible for the average retail investor. But if you were you know, um, you know, a, uh, a qualified investor, you know, if you're, if you're rich, 
uh, it's been great. It's been the best thing that could have ever happened to you. I mean, uh, the market, the stock market has made more millionaires in real estate. And up until 2009, it was just the opposite. Real estate made everyone rich. But um, again, because of the, uh, the Fed coming in and propping up the market, uh, allowing these stock buybacks, lowering these interest rates down to zero, allowing companies to borrow money at darn near zero interest rates and then buying back their 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 shares and propping up their uh, you know their prices um, I mean if you if you had a large position if you if you were a wealthy investor and you were able to take some decent positions I mean you, you did extremely well but if you're a little guy down Main Street wasn't you know um, in in position to take advantage of that, you know, it killed you because, you know, all that cash that, you know, the Fed was printing actually de- deflated, devalued the money that you had in your savings account. Mm. You know? And as you know, interest rates are so low. I, 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 I haven't looked at them recently in the banks, but I think it's somewhere, you know, south of half of a percent. And, um, you know, and if you make any money on that, you got to pay taxes on the half a percent interest that you get, you know, for keeping it in a bank. So it's a losing proposition for just the average individuals who are out there just, you know, trying to make it. So, um, you know, I think I was I was uh, I was saying before, you know, my grandparents, you know, they used to buy certificates of deposits at the bank and you would get, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 percent interest in some cases you know, by um, putting your money for extended periods of time in the bank, you know, so they were able to subsidize whatever type of retirement income they had. So, you know, now that interest rates are at zero darn near, that scenario doesn't exist anymore. So what they've done is they forced those people who were savers before into the market to get some type of return. They have to do some type of an investment, something to try and, you know, supplement their income. So the market has benefited tremendously off the backs of uh, small retail, you know, mom and pop investors that have come in that, you know, maybe, you know, didn't necessarily know what they're doing or maybe they made some money in spite of themselves, you know, because they bought Apple, you know, <laughs> or uh, or Google or Microsoft, you know, mm-hmm. so... That seems to uh, it seems to be what uh, the only game in town right now, you know. Well, there certainly are other alternatives that investors have been looking at in the past few years: cryptocurrency, uh, equity yeah. crowdfunding, real estate crowdfunding. So, I certainly I think from an investment standpoint, and I'd love to hear your your view on this. It, it's almost forcing investors to look at those alternatives in addition to the stock market, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean. Um, there's never been in the history of man a currency that's ever uh, succeeded. So what makes you think that the dollar is going to succeed? So when you talk about cryptos like Bitcoin, right, mm-hmm. um, that's new. You know, new ideas tend to replace old ideas. So, um, you know, we may see, you know, I, I think it was one of the South American countries that, said that they're going to start accepting Bitcoin. Uh, El Salvador. Was that? Okay. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's just going to open up a whole new, 
whole new way of doing business, right? And uh, it hopefully it'll level the playing field a little bit. I mean, it's so out of whack right now. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, but cryptocurrencies, uh, that that might be one avenue of, of, of helping out small retail investors, you know. So, yeah, I believe in them. I think they're going to be around for a long, long time. I think they're going to do well if you're able to, you know, uh, weather the storm. I think you'll do well. Lots of alternative opportunities for investors. When we return, we'll hear from Tony about how the Fed's tapering might jolt the stock market and how new investors should learn technical analysis. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary about the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So Tony, we're talking about the Fed and, you know, certainly they've been in the news recently for uh, potentially tapering um, some of its programs as early as this year, perhaps. What impact do you think that might have on the stock market um, if the Fed went down that path? Um, Personally, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they can. I think they painted themselves into a corner um, because of uh, all the money printing they have done. Uh, I know they want to stop, and I know at some point, I guess I'm contradicting myself now, they have to stop, but as early as this year, I don't see it. Um, the market has just become too drunk with all cheap money being printed, sloshed, or that if you take that punch bowl away, there might be some severe repercussions <laughs> in the market that, uh, you know, the current administration as well as a lot of uh, other um, political individuals may not want to see happen under their watch. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just... I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I, I think if, if they did uh, start to taper, say a quarter point, half point, you know, even just small, small amounts, um, the market would probably sell off fairly significantly. Absolutely. It certainly yeah. could be impactful. Um, so Tony has a, a clubhouse room called uh, Pro Stock Trading. That's the name of the group. And so, Tony, I know in the group you're, you're giving helpful advice to a lot of retail investors. Given the state of the Fed um, in terms of potentially tapering or not, what advice would you offer to uh, retail investors right now? So we're, we're technical traders. I'm a technical trader. I don't believe in fundamentals at all. Hmm. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I used to, but I probably haven't read a prospectus in about 15 years. Um, the market has changed dramatically. And I think for for retail investors, it's, it's really important that they stay nimble and that they understand that you can make money not only from a long position, uh, buying, and, buying low and selling high, but also from a short position where you initiate a sale and then buy it back at a, at a lower, at a lower price. So, um, that's some of the things that we talk about in my room. And, uh, I just, 
you know, I tell them, you know, uh, you want to make sure that, you know, you can take advantage, you know, of, uh, of uh, both directions in the market because the brokerage firms certainly do, you know, they don't want you to sell short because they want to dump their shares on you. So they want to leave you holding the bag. So they want you to buy, 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 hmm. you know, while they're sell, sell, selling. <laughs> well, I, well, well, buy, buy, buy is what a lot of retail investors typically have done the past few years, scooping up stocks left and right. As a professional stock trader, one thing that I've noticed um, that's very interesting, and you've said this, you only have a limited number of companies in your portfolio, right? Right. I, I trade 10 stocks and that's probably too many. I should probably dial it back, but <laughs> I, I think I was telling you, I, I just replaced one uh, last week, you know, and, um, but I, I've done that for the simple reason that when you're, when you're a trader, you want to be able to see the moves. And if you're hopping around from different stock to stock, you know, the, 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 the shiny object over here. And then next week there's another shiny object over there. And, you know, you tend to miss the moves that, you know, what we're looking for as a trader's consistency, mm. you know, you want to be able to be consistent. You know, business is not made in a day. It's not made in a month. It's made in a year, 365 days. So you want to be able to look back over that period and say, okay, uh, I was up 40%. I was up 80%. I was up 200%. Well, it's hard to do that consistently if you're hopping around from stock to stock. You know, you're missing those those little micro moves that as a trader, you know, today, um, you know, I had a stock that, you know, sold off, had a bank stock that sold off in the last hour of the day. But had I not had that stock up on my monitor and I've I've had it up, you know, for years, you know, on, on my screen, I would have missed that move. You know, maybe I would have been looking at whatever the stock of the day they were talking about today on CNBC or something, you know? So I think it's really important for, you know, especially new traders um, to maybe pick five. It's like a basketball team. I tell them in my room, it's like you're starting five, you know, you want to, you want to put your, you know, your LeBron and, uh, you know, and all the rest of the group. I'm not even a big basketball fan, so I only know LeBron. But <laughs> starting five, you know, in place, and then you go with those, you know, and you keep those guys out there on the court. They're obviously your best guys because they're your starters, you know. So if you stick with them, you know, you'll you'll be able to uh, pick up when they uh, when they ebb and flow. That's an interesting philosophy. Um, yeah. Going back to one of your early earlier points, I know you said that you focus more on technical analysis instead of fundamentals. Um, mm -hmm. for, for new investors, how or what advice would you give in terms of how, how should they best approach learning technical analysis? Um, find either a mentor or um, you know some, some information uh, that's available. Uh, I'm not real I'm not a real big fan of the online YouTube information. I know you may not like me saying that, but um, I think it's just information. You need someone who can actually transform you into the trader. You know, you need to, if you're going to do this thing seriously, I mean, you, you want to, you want to do it. You want to um, treat it like a professional. So um, you need to find someone or, or, uh, 
a course or something that can help you, that can give you the information from from you know the beginning to the middle to the end. You know, something that can be, um, you know, something uh, consistent that can give you the proper sequencing. You know, on how to how to you know uh, evolve into a trader into a professional trader. So, and you're going to need to do that because I think also as we move forward, uh, markets are going to become more difficult, a little more choppy. I think we're starting to see that already. So you're going to need to be able to identify patterns and understand what you're looking at when you see charts. The fundamentals have been thrown out the window with, with the quantitative easing, with the Fed coming in and saying, you know, I don't care that your your earnings last you know, last quarter were, were horrible. Um, here's some here's some low interest rate money. Go and buy all your stocks back. Do some stock buybacks, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, hey, you hit your number again. Hey, it's magic. Some real interesting math we're doing here. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> you know that's why, and that's why I throw the fundamentals out the window because who can you believe? Other than the numbers themselves, I mean, the numbers are the numbers, so we, they are what they are. But in terms of, you know, when I'm talking about trading and the charts, but in terms of what they're printing on those prospectuses and thinkus, nah, I don't believe it. <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt, that's what it sounds like. Uh, Take it with a grain of salt, you know. They got to put something up there to make the lawyers happy, you know. <laughs> and that's what it's for. Um <laughs> So, Tony, one final question, and this is the big question for this episode. Um, what is your favorite physical item that you've bought this past year? Oh, physical. Well, if, if you didn't say physical, it'd be easy to say because I've, I've taken a couple of vacations that have just been fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, physical physical um i'm gonna say my little massage gun because uh when i'm sitting here in the chair doing the trade sometimes i reach for it because uh you know it helps to relieve a little stress so i'm gonna say my massage gun (laughs) thank you again to tony wilson for sharing your insights on investing and thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.